All right, would you guys say comfy Christmas? How many, how many of you guys like the idea of a comfy Christmas, a comfortable Christmas where it's just like, yeah, like you get, you get all that stuff? I love that in there we've got, you got cookie dough and then the comfy pants, which you need the comfy pants after the cookie dough. It's, it feels like that's, that's important at the Christmas time. Someone, someone when, I, when I put the question on, on Facebook of what, what makes for a comfortable Christmas, one of, one of my aunts put elastic. And I was like, that is, that, that's, that's, the, that's the key to a comfy Christmas. It's just everything should be made of elastic. And at the end of the holidays, we're like, yes, elastic everything. It's wonderful. It's great. It's fantastic. So I, I, th- I think if, if, if you're anything like me or if your family's anything like my family, I think we all kind of get the idea that, that Christmas is a time of tradition, right? It's a time of, uh, where, where we all have certain things that if this doesn't happen, it doesn't quite feel like Christmas. You know what I mean? Does any, anyone have that, like where, where you have the, the, the fill in the blank at the end, that it's not quite Christmas until blank happens, right? That we, I think we all have that. For, for some of you, it's un, until you eat a certain type of Christmas cookie, until the lights are on the tree, until, until you've gone and looked at Christmas lights, until the tree is up, until all the presents are wrapped. I mean, you, you could ha- until you get your Christmas pajamas on the night before Christmas. I mean, you may, you may have an entire list of things that for you, it doesn't feel like Christmas until this certain thing happens, or maybe until you've gone Black Friday shopping. And for me, a co- a last week, we, we were in Wisconsin. The reason we weren't here on Sunday is, is Jalen and I and our family, we were in Wisconsin. And I, for the first time in my life, I realized one of the things that for me, it doesn't quite feel like Christmas until this happens. And the thing that for, for me and for my, for my family, it's, it doesn't quite feel like Christmas until someone has made it really, really, really awkward at the holidays. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you ever get together with your family and so, like, like you're just like, wow, this is going well, this is going well, this is going well. And then someone says something that's just kind of out of the blue that makes you question everything about your life and your family and, and, and everything that you are. So last week we're, we're together for Thanksgiving and it was, it was the first time uh, in, in, gosh, that I, as, as long as I can remember that it was just our immediate family. So it was, it was, it was myself and, and our family, my parents, and, and then uh, my sister and her family. And so it was, just, it was just the immediate Weiss family, not the extended Weiss family. So there was only only 12 of us, not 28 of us. And so it was the first time in, in forever that we had done that. And usually I can count on one of my aunts or uncles to be that person who talks about politics through the entire meal and just goes like, you know, I think this and I think this. And they're like, you need to shut your mouth. Like, cause we're like, cause we're like you're going to ruin everything. But that's kind of, that's kind of like for our family, that's just part of it. And so we, 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 we're eating Thanksgiving dinner and everything is going well and no one says anything that's offensive and no one talks about politics and nobody, nobody really talks about anything that was, that was upsetting. And we got through all of Thanksgiving day and I was like, that went really well. It went too well. Something's wrong. Like, like something, something's wrong. And so the next day, my sister and her husband and, and their kids, they're all around still. And, and about halfway through the day, they, they packed up and they headed back home to Milwaukee. And I, I kind of remember thinking, and I said, I said it out loud, it's weird that they went home so early. Like it feels like, feels like you know, they, they should, should have spent a little more time here. And my mom, as, as clear as, as anything that I can remember, anything ever happening, my mom goes, well, Carrie, Carrie knows that the boy's finger and toenails are long, so she has to get home and bite them and then put them to bed. Now, did you hear it the way I heard it? Bite them. And so now my sister, if she hears this, she's going to kill me for telling this story. But my, my mom, I, I, and I just kind of, I was like, did you say bite their nails? And she said, uh, yeah. She, she, she said, Carrie's bad with the nail clippers. She always, you know, cuts the boys, ends up cutting their fingers and their fingers end up bleeding. So she bites their fingernails and their toenails. And I just was like, 
what? Like, what? Like, you know, this, this was the moment, and all of a sudden I was like, all right, it's the holidays now. It's Christmas time. Someone has something, said something so weird and so strange that I can't get over it. And so I'm just like, wait, 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 wait. She's bad at the Clippers, so she bites their, she has three boys, three, like, one, and one of them is seven. Like, I can't, like, I, I can't imagine biting anyone's nails, let alone a seven-year-old's, like, gross and t- toenails. Like, ah. Uh. So, I, so I, I start saying all this, and Jalen goes, well, if I was bad at the Clippers, too, I would bite Noble's toenails. And I'm like, ew, that's gross. Like, what are you, like, and, I'll, and then I was, I, I was so grossed out by all of this, and then I just thought, well, it's the holidays. It's Christmas. Now, we're, now we've all gotten uncomfortable, and weirdly, that makes me comfortable at Christmas. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable at Christmas. And so that's when I told Jalen, we're not going to ever bite our kids' fingers or toenails, and also, I'm going to need to see a receipt of Listerine use before you ever kiss me again. And so anyway, so, so those are some things that we talked about at, at, at the Weiss family Christmas, and Jalen just said, thank you so much for sharing that story. And so, um, yeah, it's in, in the back, it's great. But, but that, that's kind of what we do at Christmas time, right? We, we kind of have our traditions. We kind of have our things where we just go, man, it's not really Christmas until this happens or until that happens. And, and, and we lean into traditions. And so, and so we make the same food every year and we eat at the same places at the same, every year and we leave the same day to go to the same place to be with the same family members because, because it's tradition. Because we, at the end of the day, we want to have the, tradition of, uh, the traditions of Christmas. And for some reason, that makes us feel comfortable. Putting, putting on, get, having the, the traditions of, of getting pajama pants or, or Christmas pajamas the night before and waking up the, the morning of and we've all got our pajamas on. We sit around the fire or we, you know, or, or, and we open presents. Like that, that just makes us feel, feel, feel good somehow. And, and I think the, the question that we have to sometimes maybe ask ourselves is why do we do all that? Why do, why do we so seek tradition at Christmas time when we really don't seek tradition the rest of the year? And I think it's because we want Christmas to be comfortable. We want Christmas to be a time where we can kind of a little bit go into autopilot. We want it to be a time where we don't have to make a whole lot of decisions. You know, we're going to shop. We're going to do all the, all the things that we do at Christmas. But we kind of want to get, get into a routine, and we kind of want to check out. We really kind of just want Christmas to be comfortable. Would you guys say you agree with that? We want Christmas to be comfortable, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's nothing wrong with our traditions. There's nothing wrong with wanting to wake up and sit around a a fireplace and drink hot cocoa. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be a mom and get up a little bit before your kids so that you have about 30 minutes of sanity before the insanity begins. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's nothing wrong with eating pizza or enchiladas or turkey or ham. I I I think it's all wonderful, and whatever your family traditions are, I think they're great, and I think that that we should have traditions. But I think there's something that's a little bit dangerous if we seek comfort so much at Christmas. And the, and the thing that's dangerous about it is if we seek comfort over everything else, we may actually miss some things that are really important about Christmas because, and the reason I said it is because when you look at the Christmas story, and when I look at the Christmas story, when I read the Christmas story, what I see is that no one in the Christmas story was particularly comfortable. I mean, think about all of the people at the center of the very first Christmas. Not one of them was at all comfortable. Not one of them was comfy. Not one of them was in pajama pants. Not one of them was in a comfortable life situation. Not one of them was like, man, everything's gone exactly to plan. Not one person in the Christmas story experienced comfort. I mean, just, just think of the people, at, at, just to kind of make a little bit of light of this, think about Joseph. Think about Joseph in the, in the middle of the Christmas story. Joseph is engaged to be married to this, you know, this wonderful young lady. And by the way, I was, re- I was doing a little research because I just like to read different perspectives on the Christmas story. And someone said, one of, the, one of the commentators I read said, like, you know, Mary was something between 12 and 14 years old, and she was engaged to be married to Joseph, who was 30, and the commentator put, just a few years older than her. And I thought, okay, you're from Alabama. Anyway, so... Uh, so 
And he said, you know, and, and so they said, you know, they're married, but they're, they're thinking like, you know, Joseph is going, I'm engaged to this, this stand-up young lady, and we've approached this relationship with purity, and so we haven't crossed moral boundaries, and we haven't crossed lines, and we haven't crossed lines that we're not supposed to cross until we're married, and we haven't done any of that, and we're doing great, and we are on course to get married. And then all of a sudden, Joseph finds out, not from Mary, and not from, you know, God, he finds out through the rumor mill that Mary is pregnant. Uncomfortable. It's immediately uncomfortable, like, couldn't she have told me? Couldn't God have told me? And then so all of a sudden, Joseph, after hearing these things, he's trying to figure out what to do. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And all of a sudden, an angel comes and is like, hey, Joseph, we forgot to let you in on this. We forgot to clue you in on what's happening. So our bad. Yeah, we screwed up some of the paperwork in heaven. And so we, 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 we kind of lost track of letting you know, and you're kind of like a big deal. You're going to be the father of, you know, the son of God. And so like, we got to let you, in, let you in on this. And so all of a sudden, Joseph's like, oh, Okay, so this really is not, this is really like, the, like what she has like told me. Like that's actually real. It's not just some story, but it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Imagine being the wise men. You, you got, if, if you're familiar with the story of Christmas, you got the three wise men, who, or four wise men, or five wise men, or however many wise men are in your nativity scene. You've got the wise men who come to, because they believe that the, the, the son of, uh, the, the next king has been born. They've seen the star in the sky, and they've divined that, like, look, the king of Israel has come. We got to go to Israel to meet the king. And so they go to, where, where do they go? They don't go immediately to find Jesus. They go to the palace. They go to meet King Herod. And they go, hey, we're so excited. We've come to worship the newborn king king, where is your son? And Herod goes, um, there's no baby here. There's no son. And it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. This is like the first time in the, in the, this is like the biblical equivalent of like, hey, when's your baby due? There's no baby. Okay. Like this is, this is, this is the, the biblical equivalent of that. They show up going like, hey, we're here to meet the baby. There's no baby. All right. Cool. So how's the palace treating you? I mean, like, it's just awkward. It's uncomfortable. Think about, think about the shepherds, like the, the shepherds out in the fields who get the first news that Jesus has been born. The angels show up, and they're out in the fields watching their sheep. And what are sheep doing at night? Sheep are sleeping. They finally got, I mean, as, as a parent of a toddler, I can just imagine this scenario. Like, you've just gotten the sheep all tucked in, and they're asleep, and they're peaceful, and they're calm, and you're ready to just, just be like, okay, all right, everything's good, everything's good, everything's good, everything's nice and quiet. Don't do anything to wake up the sheep. And then this incredibly bright, incredibly loud host of angels comes and is like, glory to God in the highest. And you're like, ah, we just got the sheep asleep. And like, and, 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 and so you've got like on top of you, you've got like, man, great news, great news, great news. But also like, hey, angels, before you go, you've got to help us get the sheep back asleep because we can't just run off with the sheep awake in the dark. They'll run into each other. They'll die. They'll run into wolves. Like everything, like bad things will happen because the sheep are awake now. And so you've got that and you've got Mary. And just, I, mean, I, I, I know we got some moms in the house. So think, just imagine this. The way we think of the Christmas story is Jesus is born in a manger, in a stable, surrounded by animals after Mary has ridden on a donkey for about a month. And so she's ridden on a donkey for a month. She gives birth to the baby in a barn surrounded by animals. And then the wise men and the shepherds show up the same night. And Mary has not even had a chance to shower. Like, I, mean, like, I, I know because we had a baby this year. When you have a baby as a mom, you don't really want to see anyone even that you know. Like you don't want to see family members. You're like, can you give me a day? And Mary's like, oh, good. There are strangers here. Excellent. I'm so glad there are strangers here who brought gifts for my son. Did you bring me a shower? I, that's, that's what I need right now. Like, it's, it's, there's moments in the Christmas story where people are just incredibly un uncomfortable. There are awkward moments throughout the Christmas story. And what, we, what, what we're, what we're going to talk about today and for the next couple weeks is simply this, that if we focus so much on being comfortable at Christmas, we miss on what God may want to do in our hearts and our lives at Christmas because God is not ultimately concerned with your comfort at Christmas. 
God is not ultimately concerned with your comfort, and God is not ultimately concerned with my comfort. God is actually up to some bigger things, and God is up to, wants to do some better things in your life than, than to, to just have you pursue your own comfort or your own desires or your own things or your own wants or your own desires. That God actually wants something bigger and better for you than your comfort. And what we learn from the Christmas story is God's not ultimately concerned with your comfort, and in fact, God actually will sacrifice your comfort to accomplish his bigger things and his bigger plans in the the world. And so today what I want to do and what I want to do for the next couple weeks is kind of take us through some, some aspects of the Christmas story that show us what some of the bigger things that maybe God is up to in the middle of, of Christmas that maybe God wants to do in your hearts and in your lives or in my heart and my life that, that maybe God wants to speak to you today and say, hey, I know you've been focused on your comfort. I know you've been focused on running after your things, but maybe there's something bigger. Maybe there's something better than just paying attention to your own stuff and your own comfort and your own needs and your own desires. So today I want to look back to um, the very beginning of the Christmas story. In, in Luke chapter 1, um, in Luke chapter 1, God begins to speak and God begins to stir the events that would lead to the very first Christmas and, and, and the, the events that, that, that were really God coming to earth, that was God, the Son of God being born as a, as a human being and, and, and the, I mean, amazingness of that. God begins to speak and God begins to let people know what's going to happen and God begins to speak to Mary, the woman that we've come to know is Mary. And so in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, here's the story. It says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a, to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a, a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Would you guys say Mary? The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Now, interestingly, Mary is not, Mary is not afraid of the presence of the angel. I mean, normally in the Bible, the first thing out of an angel's mouth is, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Because everyone that met an angel was incredibly afraid. Because if you saw an angel face to face, it was like, oh man, I'm sinful, I'm terrible. Like, I, 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 ah, 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 ah. And they have to be like, whoa, 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 don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And the first words out of this angel is like, like look, hey, Greetings, favored woman. I see that you're not afraid. And it says that Mary wasn't afraid of the angel himself, but she was nervous. She was a little bit uncomfortable. She was going, well, what could, what could this mean? What could it mean that I'm favored by God? Why is an angel greeting me as a favored person? Like, what, what could that be? Because what Mary knew and what Mary knew from, from you know, reading the stories of the, of the Old Testament heroes of the faith is that when an angel comes to see you, when, when God has something to say to you, it's because God has something that he wants to do in you or something that he wants to do through you, that God is about to heap some big responsibility probably on Mary. And so she's going, okay, what's about to happen? I'm, I'm 12, 13 years old, 13-year-old little girl. Like, what, like what's going to happen because of this angel coming to see me? What's, what's this going to be all about? So in verse 30, it says this, Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Now he gets to the do not be afraid. He senses, senses that she's nervous, senses that she's a little, a little apprehensive. He says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And if, we were, if, if an angel were to come and say, like, Hey, Caitlin, I just want to let you know, you found favor with God. You'd be like, Yay, yeah. If Keith was like, Hey, Keith, you just want to let you know, you found favor with God. Yay. George, you found favor with God. Woohoo! I mean, like, we'd all be like, yes, awesome. That's, good. That's great news. That's fantastic. Michael, you found favor with God. Woohoo! You know, it's like, like we'd be all yippee skippy. I don't know if you would say that, but, but, but that's just the way, I, that's where, where my head just went. So we're going to go there. He says, you have found favor with God. Yes! And then he says, now listen, <laughs> which, is, which is great. Now, now like, it's, it's like, hey, I just want to let you know, you're doing great. Now listen. Now listen. Now listen. 
you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And, and, and the way we read this, we're like, okay, this is being kind of vague. It sounded like this could happen someday. The way this is in the Greek is like, quickly, very soon, you're going to, you are going to conceive, you're going to give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Woo! Now, if you're, if you're hearing that story, you're thinking, okay, Gabriel, that's kind of, Angel Gabriel, that's kind of big picture stuff. Like, you know, that's, that's some big picture. So, you know, you just said, like, okay, going to have a son. He's going to be a king. He's going to be awesome. He's going to have the throne of his, his ancestor David, and he's going to reign forever and ever and ever. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. But um, I, I have some, you know, if you're, if you're married, you're going, I, I have some questions. I, I have some questions about how that's going to be because you just kind of, like, said the lifespan of an entire person, and you said it's all going to happen through, through, through me. And so I've got a couple questions, and the first one that Mary has is kind of a big one. She asked this, Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? Other translations, how can this be since I'm a virgin? How, how can this be since I, I, I'm, I'm not married and we, I, I haven't done what you have to do to have a baby? You're, you're, you're kind of making it sound like, like this is happening like now. The angel's like, oh yeah, I, 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 did, I did kind of make that sound like it's going to happen now. Oh, it's going to happen now. And so the angel says this, the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God and consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for, she, for her who is called childless. And then he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And I just wanted you to think for a moment before we go on to the next verse. If you're Mary and you get that news, if God were to come to you and say, hey, just Mary, I want you to know, I know you're, you're, you're not married yet, and this is going to turn your world absolutely upside down. Like if you're, if you're a single lady in the, in the place today, and, and if God showed up and said, hey, I just want to let you know, you're going to get pregnant, and it's going to be my child, and that child is going to be called the Son of God, and everyone that knows you is going to wonder how it happened, and everyone that knows you is going to think you crossed some lines, and everyone that knows you is going to think you're making up a story, and everyone that knows you is going to be embarrassed. Like, there, there, there will be people who will walk away and will turn their backs on you because they do not believe your story. It's uncomfortable. It's like, what, what now? And if you're married at this point, I mean... 12, 13, maybe 14, maybe 15 years old. I mean, incredibly young. This is, hey, Mary, your life is going to absolutely change. This is, this is Mary, I'm letting you know, you're going to be the, the mother of the Son of God. You're going you're to be in, in the crosshairs. Like, there's going to be eyes on you from the, from the entire world. How are you feeling about that, Mary? I think we'd all go, not feeling great. Feel, feel, feel a little uncomfortable, feel like that's a bit, a bit of a challenge, feel like, feel like that's a little overwhelming, feel like I wish I would have had a little bit of news that you were coming, angel, so I could have cleaned up a little bit. Like, I mean, like, there's so many aspects of this that we would just kind of go, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. And luckily for us, Scripture tells us exactly how Mary responded, and this clues us into a great deal of what God ultimately wants to do in our hearts at Christmas, and I think what God wants to do in our hearts all year round. Here's what Mary said to the, said to the angel and said to, said, to, said to God's plan. He said, she said, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. And, they said, and then she went on to say, may it be done to me according to your word. 
Can you imagine that kind of faith and that kind of response as a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old? Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm going to change your entire life in an instant, and I just decided it, and you can either go along with it or not go along with it, but I'm just letting you know this is what I have planned. And Mary, as a 12 or 13, as a, as a, as a young teenage girl, has the maturity, has the faith, has the perspective to say, you know what? You're God and I'm not. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Matter of fact, can we all say this together? We're going to we'll drop the said Mary part, but on the count of three, can we just practice saying this out loud? Because this is a huge part of what God wants to do in our hearts and lives. So ready on the count of three. One, two, three. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. I mean, like, again, in the face of life-changing news, uh, reputation-altering news, in the face of, of this is going to change your life forever, and, you're, and the guy that you're engaged to be married to, he may turn his back on you, but we're going to try to get, you know, we're, we'll work on him in a little bit. You know, but like, like in the face of all that, she has the perspective to say, you know what, I'm the Lord's servant. And so whatever you say, yeah, I'm, I'm in. And, and, and ultimately, at the end of the day, what we see here, and, and, and this is such a big deal, the rest of the Christmas story, Jesus coming to the earth the way it happened, the way it happened, it, it doesn't happen, and Mary doesn't get to be part of the story ex- unless she chooses this perspective. She misses out on being part of the story of what God was going to do for all mankind if she says no. If she goes, I don't, I don't think I'm in for that. Somebody else gets to play the part. Somebody else gets to be the, the mother of, I mean, like, we, we don't know what would happen. Like, we know she would have missed out if she had said no. Would have missed out on something that, I mean, all of us would be like, man, that's amazing. But it came with its challenges. And so here's the thing we learn from Mary's perspective, and, 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 I, and I hope that we can maybe understand this in this season of, of the year, that God does not want you comfy this Christmas. God wants you surrendered this Christmas. God does not want you comfy. God wants you surrendered. God does not want you comfortable. God wants you surrendered. God wants you to come to a place of surrender to him and to his ways and to his plans. And God wants you to follow the example of Mary, who in the face of life-altering news said to God, I'm in. Whatever you have, I'm in. Whatever you want, I'm in. Whatever you say, I'm in. Whatever you want from me, I'm in. Whatever you want from me in my relationships, I'm in. Whatever you want from me of, of, of distancing myself or ending some relationships, I'm in. Whatever you want from me for my career, I'm in. Whatever you want from me from where I'm supposed to live, I'm in. Whatever you want from me as far as what I'm supposed to do in my daily habits when it comes to growing closer to God, I'm in. Whatever you have for me, God, yes. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for me this Christmas. That if we could actually come to the place of saying, look, I'm willing to say no to comfortable so that I can say yes to God, that's what God wants for us. Because I know this, and what we eventually all kind of find out is that you can fight for comfortable or you can choose surrender, but you cannot have both. You can choose surrender, you can choose to fight for comfortable, but you cannot fight for both at the same time. You cannot pursue comfort and pursue surrender to Jesus. They cannot exist at the same time. And it's not that God does not care about your comfort, it's just that he doesn't care about it so much that he's willing to, to, to choose that over what's best for you. And, and, and here's, here's the reason I think that we should all be willing to, 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 choose, to choose surrender. Surrender, it will not lead to comfort, but it always leads to peace. 
See, some of you, and, and, and I, I know this because I've been there at times in my life, there are things that you know, if you've been around church long enough, if you've been, uh, if you've been a, sort of on the fringe of Christianity long enough, if you've been a Christian for long enough, you know there's some things that God has actually been asking you to do or telling you to do, or what, every time you open up your Bible, you kind of seem to come to the same theme and the same theme and the same theme and the same theme, and you're like, why won't God leave this alone? Why won't God stop asking me to do this? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And what you know and what I know is whenever we actually cross the line, and say, you know what, I'm willing to, okay, this thing that's been bugging me and bugging me and bugging me and bugging me, and it's been on my mind and on my mind and on my heart and on my heart, and it seems like God keeps saying, do this, do this, do this, do this, and it seems like God keeps wanting to do this, and every time we actually take the step of obedience and the step of surrender and say, okay, God, I'm willing to just do it, if it'll get, I mean, sometimes we even come across it as like, God, whatever it takes to get you off my back about this, I'm just willing to do it. What we always find is peace. That you have a peace in your heart and you have a peace in your mind that you're like, this thing was difficult, it was uncomfortable, it wasn't what I would have chosen, it's, not, it's still not what I, would, what, I, what I would choose, but I know that in doing what God asked me to do, I found peace. That's what surrender does. Surrender will always make you a little bit uncomfortable and it will always lead to something that leads to peace in your heart, in your mind, in your relationships, in your life. The reason to choose surrender to God is that God wants what's best for you. The reason to choose surrender in your, in your life is that God knows what's best for you, has what's best for you, and wants to give you what's best for you, and he is not willing to, comp, to, to settle for you being comfortable when he, can, when he can get what's best for you, even if it makes you a little uncomfortable in the process. So surrender, it will not lead to comfort, but it always leads to peace. So here's the, so here's the, here's the big, big thing with this. Why, why does God want our surrender? If that's what God wants for us at Christmas, if, if that's what God wants you know, for us to follow the example of Mary, if God wants our surrender, why is it that God wants our surrender? Is God like a general walking up and be like, hey, guess what, Sarah? You got to surrender. You got to wave the white flag because I'm the general and I'm in charge and I'm the Big Mac daddy and you got to listen to me and you got to show you like, you know, like, you got to, you know, like, oh, like, is that what God wants for us? Is that why God wants our surrender? No. God wants our surrender because at the end of the day, we are in a relationship with a heavenly Father. And, when we, and every time we choose surrender, it actually reveals something about our heart. It reveals something about the relationship and the real, reveals something about the depth of the relationship that we are developing with our heavenly Father. See, complete surrender, it reveals total trust. That's why God wants our surrender. That's why God wants our unconditional yes. That's why God wants my, hey, God, whatever you say, I'm in. It's because when we choose surrender, it reveals that we trust our heavenly Father. And this is something that like, I, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm starting to kind of understand this as, as a dad. I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old, and she's, and she's crazy, and she's awesome, and she's wonderful. But like any two-and-a-half-year-old, she doesn't necessarily like to listen to dad. You know, it's like, hey, go pick up your, le- your, le- your Legos. And she'll kind of look at me and go, ha, <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> pick up the blocks. And she's like, <laughs> I'm like, pick up the blocks. You know what I'm like? And so, and so we, we've, we've started working on, the, on this thing, and, and Jalen thinks this is crazy, and I, it probably is. But at, at a, a few months ago, I started teaching Noble a phrase, and it goes, yes, sir, daddy. And so, and so there's times we'll be, we'll be like, hey, you want to eat yogurt? Yeah, I want to eat, I want yogurt. Okay, 
Daddy's going to give you the yogurt. You just say, yes, sir, Daddy. Yes, sir, Daddy. Okay, and so I just want her to learn the phrase so that someday when it comes to things where she disagrees with me, but she, but, but I, but she also wants something good, or when she disagrees with me, but, I, but, she, but she knows that I know what's best for her, I want Noble to have the heart that trusts her, that trusts her earthly father enough to say, okay, I may not understand why, I may not know why, but yes, sir, Daddy. Because I, I, want my, I want my daughter to know that she can trust me. So I'm working on developing that from a young age. And at the end of the day, I think that's what God wants for all of us. To just say, look, look God, I, I, I trust you enough to surrender to you. I trust that you know what's best, so I surrender to you. I trust that you actually have what's best, so I submit my life to yours. I trust that you see, ahead, that you see further down the road than I could possibly see. see so I, so I, just, I just say, yes, I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you. I give my career to you. I give my finances to you. I give my relationships. I give my dating relationships. I give my marriage. I give my, my engagement to you. I give all of that to you because I believe that you see further down the road than I can see, and I believe you have better than I have for myself. So I trust you, God, and because I trust you, I surrender. And every time we choose to surrender, it reveals that we are learning to trust or that we're choosing to trust or that we have come to trust our Heavenly Father enough to go, God, I don't see it. I don't understand it, but I know that you do. So yes. So yes, so yes. A couple of years ago on, uh, on Saturday Night Live, and you might, you might just kind of think like, oh, I'm going to have to find a new church because our pastor knows what Saturday Night Live is. Um, a couple of years ago on Saturday, on Saturday Night Live, um, someone, someone sent me a little clip, and there was, um, this, there was this skit, and I think the actor's name was Pete Davidson. I don't, I don't really know much about Pete Davidson, but in, in this skit, there was all these terrible things that were happening, and someone would like show up and threaten to do something, and they'd be like, I'm going to punch you in the face. They'd be like, okay. I'm going to steal your video game console, okay. I'm going to burn your house to the ground, okay. I just had no, no emotion, just no, no matter what was happening. He's like, okay, okay. I'm going, to, I'm going to get your dandruff off your head, and I'm going to make you eat it, okay. I'm going to, like, all these, all these terrible, like, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to do this, okay. I'm going to do this, okay. I'm going to do that, okay. Everything. And it bothered the person who was doing it so much that they eventually just turned into a nice person. They're like, fine, well, I'm going to bake you a cake, okay. Well, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna get you your favorite your favorite drink from the you know from Taco Bell. Okay, that's good. Like, just, like they, it bothered the person so much that they eventually like their head exploded or something. I don't remember what happened. But here's the here's the thing that that I, that, that I saw when 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 I when I watched that. I think maybe just maybe God wants us to be the okay guy, and to be the okay girl, to be the person that says, God, whatever you say, okay. Whatever you say, okay. God, you want, you want me to spend a year overseas doing, doing ministry and doing missions work? Okay. God, you want me to go serve in my community? Okay. God, you want me to actually change my, change my entire focus of studies that, I, that this is what I thought I was going to study, and you want me to actually study this because you want me to have a career in this because you think I can actually have a bigger impact on the world through that? Okay. God, I'm, I'm in this relationship, and I, and, I, and I think this person is nice, and I think they're, they're smart, and I think they're cute, and I think they're wonderful, but if you think that's not the person for me, Okay. God, I've been hanging around with some people that I really enjoy, and they're the life of the party, but maybe I don't need to be around. And but God, if you say I don't need to, need to be around the party, okay. God, if, 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 if you say that we need to downsize our house so that, we can, so that we can actually be more generous to people in the community or be more generous, like, okay. 
God, if, if, if you, you know, and this, this, this was me, I, I grew up in the Midwest, grew up in Wisconsin, spent a bunch of life in Minnesota, and I was like, this is kind of where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in Wisconsin, Minnesota. I'm a Wisconsin, Minnesota guy. I have the accent. I'm like, yo, okay. And I, like, like I, have, I, had that, I had that going for me. Like I had it, had it down pat, and I, I, could say, I could say boat, and I could say cow, and you know, like I could do all the things that you're supposed to do if you're from Wisconsin and Minnesota, and I ate a lot of cheese, and I was wonderful at getting out on lakes, and I liked boats. And so I thought, like, okay, this is wonderful. I'm going to be in Wisconsin, Minnesota my whole life. And God said, you're going to go to New Mexico. I was like, okay. And I remember when I, when, I was, when I was starting off college, I was like, okay, I'm going to be in advertising. And God was like, you're not going to be in advertising, you're going to be a pastor. I was like, mm. there's a little pause on this one. Okay. See, at the end of the day, what God wants for you and what God wants for me is a surrendered heart, is a surrendered life, is a surrendered mind, is a surrendered set of relationships, is a surrendered marriage, is a surrendered friendships, is a surrendered daily habits, is surrendered everything because we simply trust our Heavenly Father enough to say, whatever you say, okay. Whatever you say, God, yes. Whatever you say, I'm in. Wherever you want me to go, yes. Wherever you want me to be, okay. Whatever influence you want me to have, yes. Whatever gifts you've given me, whatever gifts you've, you've allowed me to have and to develop in my life, okay. So on the, on the count of three, could we just practice saying this? Just, you know, God, whatever you say, okay. So everybody participate with this on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Whatever you say, okay. Let's try it one more time. Whatever you say, okay. Let's try it one more time. Whatever you say, okay. That I think, at, at the end of the day, I think that's what God wants for you. I think that's what God wants for me, is to just simply have the, the heart that Mary had, the perspective that Mary had that says, God, I believe you see far, further than I can see. So whatever you say, because of what you see, okay. And God, whatever, like, I, I believe that you know better because you're wiser than me. So if you see something right here in, in, the, in the right now in my life that needs to change, Okay. And God, if there's something in the past that I haven't dealt with that I actually need to, to deal with in order to move forward, and you tell me that I need to do that, okay. See, let, let's just be honest. For some of us, we, ha we have this perspective that we, we, we kind of come to church or we get in a small group, and we're like, I just love Jesus so much. I love Jesus so much. And you're like, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And we're like, oh, yay. And some of you are like, did he just do that. And I want you to know, if, if you're thinking, did he just do that? I made that up. No one else has ever done that before. And so anyway, um, you know, we, 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 we kind of go, I, I, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Jesus, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do. And then, and then Jesus is like, hey, husbands, love your wives. We're like, mm, I don't want to do that. Or, 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 yeah, some, some of the ladies who just started laughing, let me put it the other way. Um, I love Jesus. Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll go wherever you want. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Everyone. Hey, why don't you submit to your husbands? Mm, no. Hey, um, you know, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I'll, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Hey, how would you forgive that person who hurt you in the past? No. I love Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus to the ends of the earth. I'm going to follow him for the, for the, for the rest of my life. Well, hey, Jesus says, like, hey, you got to end that relationship because it's actually going to pull you apart away from him. But this might be my last chance. Well, this may be, you know, if I, if I dump this person, what if, what if I get the reputation of a person who just walks away from a relationship? Like, I don't want to do that. At the end of the day, here, here's, here's, what, here's what we have to do. If, if we say, God, you're my heavenly father, I trust you, I'll follow you anywhere, 
I think sometimes we actually have to be willing to follow him in the day-to-day just as much as we'd be willing to follow him anywhere. I think we're really good at singing songs and, and, and making big sweeping declarations of, I'll follow you anywhere, but I'm not going to follow you when I'm in my living room. I'm not going to follow you when I'm in the cafeteria. I'm not going to follow you when I'm at my workplace. God, the, you know, I'll follow you anywhere. Okay, well, I don't want you to work like everyone works where you waste time and you cut corners. But everyone wastes time and cut corners. That's just what everyone does in this industry. Not you. We are far better at following Jesus in a church than we are outside the church. But I'm just telling you, if you only follow Jesus in a church and you're not following him outside, you're not really following him. And you're not truly surrendered to him. And what God wants for me and what God wants for you is for us to be people whose hearts and lives and minds and workplaces and careers and marriages and parenting and all that kind of, it's just simply submitted and surrendered to God because we say, God, I just simply know that I can trust you. And because I know, if, I, if, I, if I say I trust you, I'm going to surrender to you. So today, maybe, maybe just maybe at the start of this Christmas season, what if you and what if I decided that, to, that, that this is not going to be a season where we chase comfort? What if we decided this isn't going to be a season where we chase, you know, tradition? And, and we, we can do all that. But what if we just simply decided that today was going to be a day where we said, in this season, God, I'm going to actually surrender everything. And so if you want me to forgive, I'll forgive. If there's someone that I've hurt in the past, I need to go back and make things right. If there's a relationship that's not right right now, I'm going to work to make it right. And I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to take small little baby steps or I'm going to take big giant leaps because if God points something out, I'm going to do that thing. If, 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 if God's saying be generous, we're going to be generous. If, if God's saying go serve, we're going to go serve. If God's getting our attention and saying, hey, I want you to completely change the direction of your life, we'll completely change the direction of our life. If God's saying, hey, you need to change this, that we'd change this. That we wouldn't be people who say, say, God, I'll follow you anywhere, but I'm not following you in my living room, not following you in my kitchen, not following you in my workplace, not following you while I'm in the car. Let's be honest, as Christians, sometimes people ask me, like, hey, why doesn't movement have, like, window clings for the back of a car? And I always just say, um, because I've seen you all drive. Um, and, and so, God, I'll follow you anywhere. But when I'm behind the wheel, that's a Chris thing, you know. And I'm, if I got to cut someone off, I got to cut someone, you know, like. What if, we caught, what if we were willing to surrender our driving wheel? And we weren't in such a hurry and we weren't in such a willingness to cut people off. And, and, to, and, and we could actually surrender that to God. I'm just saying, for all of us, there's something that, that God has probably been speaking to you. There's something that God might begin speaking to you today. There's something that, that God's going to get your attention on. And until you surrender, God will not let you experience peace. And today, I just want to encourage you. Let's be people who trust our Heavenly Father enough to surrender to Him. Let's experience the peace that He has, not just settle for comfort that, we've, that we have. Let me pray for you.